This is the ATM at the Minute podcast presented by Fan Fuel Sports. I am Peter Mitchell here with Jackson Stover, and you are listening to episode 100. Oh, yeah. So thank you from the top. If you're a listener from day one, huge shout out to you. We appreciate all the support we've gotten along the way. We never thought we'd get to this point. Actually, we knew we would, but <laughs> we didn't know no what, how long it would take, how long it would take, what it would look like, how old we would be. But here we are. We're excited. We have a good show for you guys. We're going to run through the Big 12 uh, basketball um, landscape. landscape. Picture. That's the word. We're going to hit on all the tourney teams, according to Joe Lenardi, talk about their potential in the dance, and then move it over to some NBA, talk about the Oladipo situation in Houston, um, the Knicks, they're relevant. I don't think we've talked about the Knicks more than a few times no. through 100 episodes, so that's Nothing be good has ever been said about them, that's for damn sure. So, episode 100, mm-hmm. never too late to say something good about the Knicks. Exactly, and then maybe a little random stuff at the end for you guys, so... All right, let's do it, Jackson. Let's start with Oklahoma State. Yes, sir. Coming off two big Bedlam wins on a big-time winning streak here. And first game against OU, Cade drops a 40-piece, just absolutely goes bonkers in Norman, carries us to the win. And then second game, played them a couple days ago, and... Cade really didn't do much. I don't even think he got a bucket until about seven or eight minutes left in the second half, but he didn't need to. And the rest of the guys got it done. Uh, one thing that you could notice just watching the game, every time that Cade would get in some kind of action, whether it was pick and roll or somebody screening him, on ball, off ball, anytime there was a screen set around Cade or he set the screen, he attracted a double. So if he's top of the key and Boone goes up to screen him or Rondell Walker, whoever it is, both guys are sticking with Cade and they're leaving the screener to either cut or slide out on the wing for an open three, whatever it was. They decided that they were going to take Cade away and make the rest of the guys beat them. And that's exactly what Cade and Boynton did. I mean, they did all kinds of screen in action with Cade on ball and they were doubling him and he was just letting them hit in the open man facilitating and it worked perfectly. I mean, Cade never even got to a point where he needed to take that game over because OSU was in control of it for the majority of the game, it seemed like. That's 100% right. Uh, Saturday's performance was awesome. I was pumped to see him finally have that statement, go off kind of game. He did have the game winner against Wichita State earlier in the year where... He's had a couple. Yeah, a few big moments. Not like this game. Nothing quite like that. And then you have Mike Schmitz come on during the KU game and say, I had one exec reach out to me and say, it's over doing the hand motion saying without a doubt number one pick yes um are you in full 100 percent agreement with that and if yes yeah, why there's no doubt at this point because you've seen him do it in arguably the best conference 
and he's put up 20 points a game. He's putting up four or five assists. He's grabbing boards. He's making big blocks at the end of games. He's doing everything that you wanted to see him do. His free throw percentage is great. He's the guy that closes the games out for us. He plays as our lead guard. He's not deferring to Likely or any of the other guys on the team. This is his team, and you can see the intangibles. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. No Likely in the last two, but you can see it also. He's the leader on the court, off the court. They're the... They look to him. He is the guy. He's coaching everyone up. He is an extension of Boynton on the court. And the guy just does all the little things. And if there were any doubts, whether it was motor, whether it was athleticism, whatever the hell it may be, those doubts are eliminated. And with him at 6'8", being really a true point guard and also shooting 40% from three, you're an idiot if you don't take him number one. An idiot. Sucks <laughs> has been great. There's lots of potential with the G League guys, but you are flat out stupid if you have a chance at Cade Cunningham and you pass. I mean, look at what OSU's doing. We had almost the exact same roster last year. Now, granted, we have a couple other freshmen, M.A. Moncrief, Rondell Walker, that I like a lot, but this team is almost the exact same as last year and we're pretty mediocre last year you add Kate a couple other decent freshmen and all of a sudden we could be a two seed oh I don't know about a two seed but I why not we're gonna be top 10 in these next polls as long as we get one game between Baylor and West Virginia we will be top 10 you guys play Baylor tomorrow Tomorrow, Thursday West Virginia this is Wednesday as we're recording right Baylor Thursday West Virginia Saturday and I just want to get one of the two to be honest, I don't really want to win both of the games. Like, I don't want to somehow get into the, oh, if they win the Big 12 tournament, could they be a one seed? Like, I, I don't want anything to do with that. Keep us in the two, three, four range. I want better odds because right now, no book has any line on OSU making the final four or winning it all or anything because we're right, still yeah, they don't not know if supposed they to be, be in because the damn NCAA. Because it's been killing me all year. I've just been waiting for someone to post our line so I could take it, and nobody freaking has. And I'm afraid that we're going to be really low odds if we keep winning, which I I can live with that. You know, I'm going to pick us to go far in all of my brackets, but (laughs) I I just don't want us to win too much. Like maybe a loss at this point in the year could be good for us. It could be constructive. But at the same time, it looks like we figured it out because early in the year, we're close in every game. I mean, it seems and like they were all losing of our big games, games coming that they down should the have won. Yes, TCU twice, mm-hmm. West Virginia, even the first Baylor game without Cade and Rondell Walker, we were up the entire time up until the seven or eight minute mark in the second half, and we just couldn't close the game. And we're finally finishing strong and having Cade be that guy that really takes over in the big moments and just puts his freaking foot on other teams' throats. It's what we needed. And we're finally clicking on all cylinders. And my guy, Avery freaking Anderson, He's a beast. he is coming alive. He's so athletic. And I, I don't want to go too far and you know look too far into the His future. His hoop mixtape is nasty, by the way. Avery Anderson, ball is insane. live. Check it out. Insane. He's got like 500,000 plays from high school. And he's added a ton of weight and matured. A ridiculous amount next year he's going to be our lead guard and I think he could potentially get drafted as a junior but back to this season I love what we've got and I think we have to be one of the two or three best teams in the big 12 no matter who else you think's up there obviously Baylor is you could say KU or West Virginia maybe is better than us but man I'll take us over anyone right now I don't give a damn Gonzaga Baylor I'll take us over anyone we're the hottest team in college <laughs> basketball all right. Um, I mean, there's some clear homerism. 
But Hell yeah, there is. I got to be excited about something. Between Oklahoma State Athletics and the Phoenix Suns, I've had nothing for the last eight to ten years. <laughs> well, you got it all this year. Hell yeah, we do. Okay. Um, I will go ahead and s- I have a lot to say after that. Yeah. yeah. I think OU and Texas Tech are a tier below... Well, and maybe maybe even KU, if I'm being honest. I think KU can hit a level, and we'll talk about them next. Um, but I think Baylor, West Virginia, um, OSU, because of Cade, and Texas right. have a level of talent that maybe some of the others don't. I agree with that. Um, back to Cade, though. You pointed out how they were double-teaming him on every action. Right. I'm watching the game saying, you know, this guy's a all world talent. He's cerebral as hell. He's, he's very smart. Like you said, he's an extension of Boynton, but yep. why is, why is he waiting so long to take over? So are you saying that it is because of the attention he was drawing? He didn't yes. want to try to force things. He's trying right. to get he was other taking people taking what the defense was giving him. And now I think if you flip the script and we're not playing that well, maybe we're down 10, 12 points halfway through the second half, then Cade's going to start looking to take over. And when the game would start to slip a little bit, you would see him be a little bit more assertive. But anytime he gets in the lane, they're throwing so many bodies at him. Mm -hmm. And even on the perimeter, he's getting doubled so often. The guy's smart enough to know, I have a solid supporting cast. If they're going to play us four on three and try and take me away, I will gladly hit the open man and let my team find the right shot. And he did. And that's what he's done for most of the year. I asked the question because I'm I'm trying to project him at the next level. And well, I'm he's like, not going to get doubled like that the next right. level. I mean, he's going to be one-on-one all the time. Unless he's James Harden or something. But right. I, I'm just trying to picture what that's going to look like. I don't know. Um, I think hopefully he'll be more aggressive offensively depending start, on the situation. I'm starting to see a mix of like Tatum and Ben Simmons. I'm seeing a little bit of Tatum flashes in there just with the way that he moves and how he's not that fast, but he still gets wherever he wants to go and he's bigger and can knock down the three ball. Unlike Ben Simmons, it's just a little bit of a weird mix between the two is what I see right now. I can, I can kind of see that. I mean, also kind of has the back you down, turn around fade away jumper that Tatum shows a lot. Well, I think the, he has pieces from a lot of people's game. And let's be clear that Absolutely. we're not saying he is these people. He has no, some of Lucas of change of pace, get into the, the mid range, get into the lane, get guys on right. your hip, just kind of let the play come to you to him. Um, yeah. And the Ben Simmons comp, I mean, it's just because the guy is six eight and running the He's offense like a true point, point guard. guard. Not <laughs> hardly any other guys in the league do that, except for you know Luca, Ben Simmons, a couple others. So it's natural to make those comparisons because right. there is literally nothing else you can compare Cade to. This guy's he's a unicorn, you know. He does it all. And he's he's by no means the defender that Ben Simmons is, but like no, you pointed no. out why. But there's still potential there defensively, and he makes some big blocks at the end of games. Yeah. He's in the right place at the right time. He does everything right. Like into the game. Oh, you had a fast break to make it a one possession game. He has the awareness to pick up the ball, stop ball, point right. at his teammate to go pick up the guy running down his lane to the right. corner for the three. I'm like, this is, this is not something Anthony Edwards is probably going to be doing or, you know, no, he's cerebral might and- be reaching 
you know, more than True. he should. Like he's yeah. just smart, disciplined. He knows how to play the game. The risks that he takes, I feel like are very calculated and it is so rare that I ever am watching an OSU game and I go, Cade, why the hell would you do that? Or why would you leave your man there? The TCU and go game help? Or, is the one time. Yeah, whenever TCU he was tough, but that was shot. so long ago. That that was really bad. But he's come a long way in the late game situations, managing the clock, being way calmer and not seeming like he has to go, go, go right now. And also the foul trouble. That was one thing early in the year that would kind of hinder him a little bit is he'd be too antsy trying to do too much and he'd pick up two or three fouls in the first half and kind of would have to play cautious in the second half. He's not doing that anymore. Foul trouble hasn't really been an issue for the second half of the season. So I I think Oklahoma State fans have all the reason to be excited. Yeah, some turnovers here and there, but when you handle the ball that much too, it's, it's just going to happen. It's going to happen. But okay, let's switch on over to your Jayhawks here because if we don't stop, I will keep going. Yeah, on you're, and you're letting her rip. <laughs> I am. I've been waiting. Oh, okay. So we beat Baylor, gave them their first loss of the season. Yes. The team showed the, the most heart that I'd seen all year, and that's exactly what I want to see. At this time of the season, it looks like things are finally coming around. They've been playing much better ball over the last month than the month prior. Mm -hmm. Who would you say your best player is right now? Unbiased, completely objective. You're grinning, and I think you want me to say McCormick is why you're grinning. Yeah. He was Quite the redemption of a season for him. He's been great. The second half of the year, he's been awesome. Preseason, Bill Self said he was our best player. So interesting. Maybe this is showing why he said that. Um, I I really don't know, man, because I think we're just a solid group. We don't really have any stars, any standouts. You know, Marcus is great at defense, but he's limited on offense. Then you have Dave, yeah. who he's just limited. And, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, the level know of what talent. I'm saying is not what it has been in the past for KU. You know, you don't have a Wiggins or a Frank Mason or Devontae We don't have Graham. a lead guard that we're so used to having. Right, and you don't have anyone that's projected to be a first-round pick, or I don't even know if you guys have anyone that's going to get drafted this year, and I think this is the first time I've ever yeah. looked at a KU team and had that thought. Marcus Garrett was number 60 on Sam Vecini's big board that he dropped this week. That was the highest of any KU guy. Um, but speaking of talent, we did just get Grady Dick from Sunrise Christian. Four star. What was that name? Hang on, hang on. What was his name? Grady Dick. That's a heck of a Moby's name. brother. Six okay. seven wing from Sunrise Christian, number one team in the nation. That's really exciting for us. Back on the recruiting trail. Okay. A little bribe, a house, a car. Who you know, knows? Bill's doing what he's got to do. He's Sanctions in- coming anyway. He's an in-state guy. Um, but anyways, they're 14-2 with Bryce Thompson. They're 5-6 and six without him. I, I saw that number. Yes. I, is it a coincidence? I think somewhat. Yeah. I, it's not all Bryce. He only had three yeah. points against Baylor. I, I don't think correlation is necessarily causation here. But, yes. I mean, it, it is a correlation. You know, there's got to be a little bit of merit to it. Right. I think it's just his, his energy helps us. Um, like I said, I think everything is turning the corner at the right time. My tourney prediction 
is that we're a second weekend team, but we could easily That's, that's lose. all you got? I, second weekend team, Elite Eight ceiling. I, I, I just I don't see anything I, more than that. I see Sweet 16. Unless Bryce turns into 12 a game, big shot maker, Jalen Wilson plays his balls off You need to see some Jalen Wilson that you saw at the beginning of the year. Because early in the year, like the Gonzaga game and a couple other big ones that y'all played, he was your best player. Yeah, he was. He's still rebounding the ball well, and that's something we need. Because as good as Dave has been offensively, he's not really a dominating physical presence around the rim. So okay. shout out yeah. to Jalen for stepping up there. What is your thoughts on them, tourney-wise? Man, I think they're peaking at the right time. And just the fact that you're putting on that KU Uni, stepping onto the court in March Madness, it gives you a leg up on most of the other teams. Just mentally knowing we're Kansas. We've been here. This is what we do. It's our time. But like you said, I just don't see them getting past the Elite Eight. I don't think there's enough talent. And if they run into a really good backcourt, Marcus Garrett's just going to have to have the defensive game of his life. And some other guys are going to have to step up offensively because he's yes, going to be yes, worn obviously. out. <laughs> um, all right, let's 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 run through the rest of the Big 12 a little bit quicker here. Baylor, huge bounce back win last night against West Virginia. Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell were... They were big. They were, they were big. awesome. I mean, when you have two first-round guards on your team, yep. you're going to be legit. Mm-hmm. I have them as a... 100% national champion contender. Man, I'm not as sold on Baylor as I was a few weeks ago. After seeing the KU game and watching how West Virginia played them, West Virginia should have won that game, in my opinion. If they played a little they bit did. better down the stretch there, made some free throws, <laughs> they should have won. I mean, the game was there for the taking. And Baylor's just a little bit more beatable than I initially thought. And the two lead guards are probably the best backcourt in the country. So they are going to make a decent run with them. But I think Baylor might lose tomorrow night. And I think they might get bounced a little bit early in the Big 12 tournament and just not really peak at the right time. I think if they played a full conference schedule, they would have at least three or four losses. So they missed out on what? Three three, four games. Is that it? I mean, they're making up they've, two they've right played, now. They played four to six less games than the rest of the big 12. Um, okay. I'm taking your word for that. I just think they're too talented and they have guys like Mark vital and Chama Chachua who just are stars in their role. And not a lot of team, not a lot of elite teams have those kind of guys. I would say obviously Gonzaga does. You have like, I, um, and Andrew Nimhard. I think of Baylor in the same way. Like they are stacked. Don't forget I, Suggs. He is a star. He's not a star in his role in okay. my eyes. Okay. Fair um, enough. But yeah, I'm I'm still bullish on them. And that's all I really had to say. You want to do West Virginia? Where are you at on them? Man, I like West Virginia a lot, and I think they're really freaking scrappy. And the most interesting thing with them is a Bob Huggins team. You think, oh, they're going to press the hell out of you and they're going to score 40 to 50 points and probably hold you to like 40 and just make you look stupid offensively. You're talking about West Virginia or Virginia? I'm talking about West Virginia. West Virginia in the past, they've been known to do that. That pressure 
that Huggins throws out is tough, and they haven't done it quite as much this year, and he has a different team than he's used to, but they can freaking light it up like I've never seen from a West Virginia team before. I mean, I can't tell you, I don't think there's ever been a time, at least in our lifetime, where you'd be like, hey, did you check the West Virginia score? Oh, yeah, they're up 90 to 82 with three minutes left in the hmm. second half. Like, that that would seem ridiculous. Like, they're putting up almost NBA box scores some nights from West Virginia. But at the same time, I don't love their guards. I like McAllister. I like Culver a lot McBride. down low. I think he's a beast. I Dude, I always call him McAllister. Yeah. <laughs> Deuce McBride. I always want to call him Deuce McAllister. Miles McBride. Well, they call him Deuce McBride. He wears yeah. number two. But um, I like West Virginia. I don't love them. I see them as Final Four at absolute best. I think they've got more talent than KU, but aren't quite as polished. Just watching that Baylor game, I feel like there's going to come one of the games down the stretch where they miss some free throws or turn it over late and just do something kind of sloppy that gets them bounced. I don't think they can put together a damn near perfect run. This is such a weird season because I agree with what you just said. They they might not look as polished as uh, some of these other more well-rounded teams, right. but I I still like their three guard slash wing guys in McBride, Taz Sherman, who had a really good Sherman game. went nuts last night. Yeah, he gives them some athleticism on the wing, and then McNeil just is a shooter it's plain and simple and then you factor in culver like they got a few real weapons there and because of that i think they can make a final four run as as imperfect as they are i really think they could go that deep yeah they're a team that i'll probably only take them to the sweet 16 or elite eight in my brackets just because Man, they could damn near go all the way, but they could get bounced in the first round, and I wouldn't be just shocked. Yeah. Okay. Well, sounds like we're somewhat on the same page there. Let's go to Texas. I like Texas more than I like West Virginia, and Mm. I think maybe it's the veteran guard play mixed with the elite athleticism from the bigs that they have that are NBA prospects. I mean, at least two of their bigs are going to be lottery picks more than likely. And I just think that Texas has a little bit of something special to them. I don't know what, I don't know if maybe it's Shaka smart and just the March madness vibe. He gets off. I mean, he hadn't been in the tournament with hair yet. Like what the hell is going to happen? He has one season and for the rest of time, people think he's just like a legend. What he did was legendary. You're salty because he bounced your sorry Jayhawks that year. It's fine. I'm not even salty about that at all. I'm just saying, like, at what point are we going to say he's just an okay coach who had one good run? I don't know if we can say that. I mean, he's done a pretty good job with Texas. After Rick Barnes left, they were a little bit of a mess for a while, and he's got them back on the biggest stage. You know, they're a perennial top 25 team. They're putting out constant NBA bigs. I mean, what they've done with... Mo Bamba, what they've done with Jackson Hayes and so many other guys that they've put into the league. Miles Turner. They've never won. They've never won deep with those guys. No, they haven't won deep, but he has built a program up more and more to the point where they're getting NBA prospects again and finally winning games. I like this Texas team. I know that they're only nine and six in the Big 12, but they're freaking scrappy, man. They're in every single game, and I like Coleman a lot. 
something about him. I, I just trust him with the ball in his hands at the end of games. And I think Texas could make a deep run. I, I like Texas. I think if they're a four, five, or six seed, I could have them going a little further than people would expect. Maybe Final Four. So I wrote down great mix of vets in Ramey, Matt Coleman, and Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones. And then, like you said, the versatility that you get between Greg Brown and Kai Jones, Jericho Sims, they can match up well with just about anyone, but they seem like a team that can't put it all together. And Kai and Brown, as as awesome as they can be, blocking shots, Kai and Yeah, they're non-existent at times. Yeah, yeah. You don't see much impact from them consistently. So they're going to have to play their asses off in my opinion, for them to go deep, I pin them as an elite eight ceiling kind of team. I can respect that. And you're completely right about the bigs. That is the weakness with this team. The talent that you've got in those guys, you got to get more out of them. Whether it's coaching, whether it's a personal thing with their motor and intensity, or what, whatever the they hell is going dominate. on, Shaka has to get more out of them, whether it's getting them involved in the pick and roll, whether it's getting action for them in the post. They need to be the focal point of that offense because anytime they are playing a smaller team, hell, any game, they have the advantage down low, and you got to take advantage of that. I think they should be throwing lobs, uh, setting up motion for them, just getting it, get them moving towards the basket because both those guys can throw down like no other. Two of the most athletic prospects coming out this year. Yeah, I also wouldn't mind seeing them run a little bit more in transition. I know they're putting up 75 a game, which is for college basketball typically a pretty high number. But yeah, this year it's relatively average. And you think about how athletic Greg Brown is and some of the veteran guards that they've got. Man, throwing him lobs in transition, a little Lonzo to Zion type action. Like that's what I think there's potential for. Yeah, well, uh, I'll I'll be excited to see them in the tourney and really see what Kai Jones and Greg Brown do because they're going to have a shot to really notch themselves into the top 10. I agree with you. Okay, let's move on to the last two teams of the elite in the Big 12 that are kind of struggling here late. Let's hit OU first. They're coming off two bad losses to OSU, and I immediately pegged this as a team that's well-coached, everyone knows their role, but they just don't have that much talent. And if we're being honest, our Reeves and uh, old goofy wannabe Larry Bird, can't think of his name, Brady Brady Manning, Manning. (laughs) are they going to carry you in the tournament? No, absolutely not. They just don't have the talent and athleticism to match up with some of these elite teams that they're going to see in the tournament potentially. I think the same can be said for Texas Tech. So, Kind of I agree with you on that as two well. Two birds in one stone here. Mm-hmm. Reeves can get buckets. He, you know, he can facilitate a little bit. Uh, they got guys like Harkless and Harmon who bring some edge. But and they if don't... they get hot, they're nice. They're just right. not consistent, reliable guys that you want to be looking to in big games. Exactly. And then I look at Texas Tech. Mac McClung is Fletcher McGee on steroids. I got something on Mac McClung. <laughs> For how much he handles the damn basketball yeah. to only average two assists, that's a problem. A major problem. He has tunnel vision, dude. He doesn't pass. He's, exactly. 
He, he is so overrated of- because he was hyped up because he was a little white kid that can dunk in high school. Like he is not that good. The athleticism is there. The potential is there. But we saw him at Georgetown. He could never put it together. He can't put it together for tech against both the games against OSU. He crumbled down the stretch. He made he a big shot wrecking. here or there, but he made some turnovers and had some missed shots and missed free throws that really cost them arguably both games. Like I am not big on Mac McClung. That's a guy that can win you a game or two, but he's going to lose you a game or two as well. I respect the confidence that he exudes on the floor. He doesn't care. Yeah. He's, he's no pulling, but and yeah, I, I he think shoots a lot of games. Yeah, that, that's great for him until I'm making a bracket and trying to evaluate how far Texas Tech can actually go. And I just don't think Mac McClung's going to take you that far. And they don't really have anyone else that's good enough to carry them. I mean, I like Santos Silva down low. He's a big old bruiser, but you're not going to look to that guy to get you a bucket with the game on the line. No. And if they match up with like an Iowa or something, they're screwed. Yeah. They're going to get toast. Um, Okay. I think both OU and tech could reach the sweet 16, but that's about it. I agree on that. I think the only teams here with the potential to make a final four are OSU Texas, Baylor, and West Virginia. Kansas is right there on the fringe, man. They're right there. But like you said, I, I have a hard time putting them past the Elite Eight. Um, People aren't going to like me, but I agree with you. <laughs> All right. Any other final thoughts on the Big 12 here? Um, No. I, I did want to talk about Michigan after their Saturday victory, but then they got absolutely manhandled by a Io Desunmu list, mm-hmm. Illinois. So now I have no idea what to think about them. I'm not sure that the Big Ten is that much better than the Big 12, if I'm being honest. I, I'm you said really, it was better. Everyone. I mean, what? all of the college basketball talking heads. Have you not seen how hyped they are in the Big Ten this year? Oh, they're going to have 10 teams in. They're so legit. No. Even their below 500 teams like Indiana could make a tournament run. I really don't think that's the case. Uh, I don't think Indiana is any good. I don't think Michigan State's any good. These teams at the mid to bottom of Big Ten that are going to get in, I don't think they're deserving. That's a joke. Michigan, Iowa, Illinois, those three, they're legit. Yeah, I'll give you that. Illinois has nine quad one wins this year. That's Ohio a, State ain't bad either. Yeah, that nine quad one. Best in the country. They should be a one seed in my opinion. Good guards. Really? Coburn. Even with six losses that they have? I mean, who, who are you putting on the one line? Baylor, uh, obviously, Gonzaga. Obviously, Baylor and Gonzaga. And after that, I think it really is going to come down to tournament play and how teams finish up because they're a bunch of four, five, six, seven lost teams that are in like the three to 10, 12, 13 range that could be up there. I think this year, the one seeds are going to be pretty debatable outside of Gonzaga and Baylor. If whoever wins the Big Ten tourney, if it's Michigan, Illinois or Iowa, I bet the winner makes it. Yeah, the winner will be a one seed. And to be honest, Michigan's probably still going to get a one seed. I guess but Ohio State's pretty good, too. I'm just not in love with Michigan, especially after that Illinois loss. That just left a really bad taste in my mouth. Like getting blown out by 30 against a conference rival when you're preparing for the tournament. Like we're into March. That's a red flag for me. <laughs> I like Wagner, Hunter Dickinson. 
Isaiah Livers. Yeah, and Livers I like the fact nice. that they have senior guards, but I just don't think they're quite talented enough to, you know, make me think they're ever going to have a chance at beating Gonzaga or Baylor, who I, I still think Gonzaga is one A, Baylor's like two A, and yeah. then you have the rest. That doesn't make any sense, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. Yes, you have Gonzaga, who is a league above Baylor, and then you have everyone else who is at least a league below Baylor. Yes. Yeah, I'm with you. I think if Michigan were to get matched up with Gonzaga, let's say in the final four, I think Gonzaga wins that game about 95 to 78. Okay, wow, yeah. I think I think this Gonzaga team is a little bit on that Villanova, uh, Mikhail Bridges, DiVincenzo... Man, they Phil are, Booth but team. the fact that you've got a top five talent in Jalen Suggs with this well-rounded, bona fide role player squad that's just got all these guys that know their parts and play their role so freaking well, you add a star with that much talent and athleticism to a Gonzaga team. I mean, he's no Kelly Olenek or uh, Adam Morrison. You know, he, he's he's not one of those typical Gonzaga guys. This is an NBA star. So yeah. that's what I really think the difference is for Gonzaga this year. Yeah. We'll do more college basketball as the season progresses once the brackets come out. Right. Uh, that was fun. We'll hey, s- don't forget to mention... We're going to be doing a fan fuel bracket challenge. And this one, it's not going to be like what we did for the NFL where we gave away a jersey. On this one, we're thinking just a $10 buy-in, and we're just paying it all to the winner, whether we do first, second, third. Peter and I aren't taking a cut out of any of this. We're just facilitating it to get as big of a pool as possible with a bunch of our listeners and friends in it, essentially. Yeah, I mean, ask the winner whether or not they got all the money. (laughs) They'll get all the money. Yeah, we were thinking $10 entry up to two entries. You'll Venmo or Cash App, whichever one of us wants to collect. We'll get there in a couple weeks. But just have that on your radar. Save it. Save 10 more bucks for our pool as well as the other pools you're going to be in. Yes, sir. All right, a little NBA action now. Let's do it. Okay, so the biggest news as of this last week... Victor Oladipo. So he gets offered a $45 million extension from Houston, which could have been just a, yeah, two year, 45 mil. And I think it was a little bit of a kind of a media and optics thing from Houston of like, Oh, we tried to extend him. We didn't just trade for him and cut him loose type thing. But if you're Oladipo, do you think about taking that deal? Because are you going to get any more money from anywhere else with the injury history and how you've played the last season or so? I don't think so. I mean, maybe it's just as simple as Houston's a dumpster fire and he doesn't want to be there and he'd maybe take three, four, five million dollars less a year to be in a better situation, not playing next to John Wall. I don't know, but it's kind of a weird deal. And this Oladipo thing just has a weird kind of gray cloud over it that I'm having a hard time really grasping yeah let's add some even more context to it the rockets have lost 12 in a row (laughs) they're playing the nets as we speak i expect them to lose yeah um they don't really have any exciting young players to build around outside of christian wood and jay sean tate 
Um, Kevin Porter, this side note, he's been good. Look up Kevin Porter Jr.'s G League highlights from the bubble if you want to have your mind blown. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Please watch this. Um, But anyways, they don't really have much going on for me. I think they need to blow it up. That means sign Victor Oladipo to an extension, trade him to where he wants to go. And he's mentioned Miami. I don't know how I feel about that. If you're Pat Riley, would you rather have 28 year old? I would touch Oladipo with a 10 foot pole if I'm Pat Riley. Okay. My question is, would you rather have Oladipo or the combination of Hero and Nunn? Who, I mean, you're going to have to pay them eventually. Give me Hero, Nunn, Robinson. I could maybe try and flip Nunn for something else. I'm not really sure if he fits into the team's long-term vision, but I like what they've got now way more than Oladipo. He is good. I just don't know if they see him as potentially the starting guard for them next to Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I don't know because you throw Dragic in the mix as well. And he's going to be out of there in the next couple of years. I mean, he's getting old. Yeah. So maybe none is his eventual replacement. Maybe Oladipo could be that. But I don't really want Oladipo at this point. And I really tried to do my due diligence and come up with some contenders or playoff teams who could acquire Oladipo and get good use out of him. And it would make sense contractually for what they're giving up on the chance of him being a one-year rental. And dude, it makes no sense for any contender to go get him right now. It it just doesn't make any sense at all because Houston's going to want at least some type of asset. And if you trade any asset and the Oladipo thing doesn't work well and he walks or you mess up the chemistry with what you already have, it's just not worth it. So I think it's going to be the teams that are kind of hovering around these fringe playing spots that are hoping to make the playoffs, but kind of open to seeing what the future holds for them. They don't have something like the Nuggets do, where they've got their core of Jokic, Murray, and MPJ, where those are their three they're going to build around. I think it's going to be a team like New Orleans or the Hornets or the Mm. Knicks that trades for him. I think New Orleans could offer Bledsoe. Hornets would be fun. I I, I got a couple potential trades here, but I think the Hornets could offer Bledsoe, Wenyan, Gabriel, and then one or two firsts from the Milwaukee deal. Bledsoe's got a couple years left, so you're kind of getting off that asset. Yeah. You, You said Hornets. Oh, you, my, you meant my Pelicans, bad. right? Yes, yes, okay. yes, Pelicans. New Orleans Hornets and New Orleans Pelicans, it, it all still gets me a little bit. Ah, well, when you said Winyan Gabriel, I forgot what team you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, he's not very relevant. That's more of just a young guy in there that might sweeten the deal. He's got a team option on the second year. Bledsoe's got two more years. That way, you're giving Houston a guard they could either flip or use for a year or two next to John Wall. You also offer them some picks. When Oladipo's probably going to walk for nothing if they don't trade him. Yeah, I mean, they have the assets to go get a star. I don't think Oladipo fits their time horizon. Um, The Knicks... No, but getting off Bledsoe, I would use a shitty first-round pick for, if I'm being honest, to free up that $15 over the next two years and get Lonzo more looks, get Kyra Lewis and Nikhil Alexander-Walker some more minutes. Okay. Let's say the Knicks for last, actually. Let's hear what you're thinking with the Hornets. The Hornets, you're not going to like this, but I think they're going to have to move one of the younger guys in this, and that would be DT. I think Devontae Graham and Cody Zeller straight up for him would be the package because they're going to have to re-sign Devontae Graham after this season to a decent deal 
And I think it makes more sense for Houston to pay him a decent amount when he could be a starting guard for them for a while. Whereas with the Hornets, you got Terry Rozier under contract for at least another year, and he's been balling. You're going to keep Terry around, especially with the splits he's putting up and the contribution to winning. And now you've also got LaMelo there. And he's obviously going to be what you build around going forward. So I don't know how much sense it makes for the Hornets to pay Devontae Graham more than 10 or 12 a year, which he probably will want. And so Houston gets a win out of this because they're going to get to sign him for a two or three year deal, probably around 12 to 15 million. And he could be a nice building block for them. And then he also throws Zeller in there. If they like what Zeller provides them, they could re-sign him to a cheaper deal. If not, he's expiring. Doesn't hurt anybody. But Zeller's really just in there to make the money add up. I'm I'm sorry, but I want more than just Devontae Graham and Cody Zeller for a guy who's been in the all-star game. Come on. Man. Like they would have. I think Devontae Graham has more value almost as an asset than Oladipo does at this point. Just when you consider age and injury history, maybe you throw a first in there, but I'll tell you what, if I'm the Hornets, I don't want to give up any more than Devontae Graham in a couple seconds for Oladipo. I mean, I may be like a 2023 or 2024 first that's top 10 protected. I would do that, but I just, I don't want to risk very much for Oladipo. And I think Houston has to quickly be realizing he does not have that much trade value, especially on an expiring contract, given the poor play and given the injury history. I just look at, I just look at the standings and I try to think of teams that it would make sense to go acquire him. And there's not very many really hard. Maybe Dallas this off season. I thought so, but Oladipo's best with the ball in his hands or at least partially, you know, he's got to be a semi-dominant. He's going to be much better than Josh Richardson. Yeah, he'll be much better than Josh Richardson. But how much do you want to take the ball out of Luca's hands? Because if I'm Dallas, I want him bringing the ball up 90% of the time. And I think Oladipo's going to want to handle the ball at least 30, 40% of the time. Okay, Boston. I think that's a problem. Because then you've got Kimba, you've got Brown, you've got Tatum, all who can handle the ball and score, and you still got Marcus Smart there. And you got Pritchard, who's been nice for you. You want to keep him getting some minutes. I literally don't have a fit that I like. He's There's none. There, there's literally nothing. And I was trying so hard to come up with something that really made sense. And no matter what you do, there is no trade really that makes sense for two teams maybe you come up with a wild three-teamer that gets some extra value in there going to houston or someone else but victor oladipo's in trouble i could see him getting like a one-year 12 million dollar deal this offseason <laughs> i i just don't know what he wants i don't know what he think like how good he thinks he is i don't i don't see him as a max guy Quite frankly, absolutely not right now. Maybe in another year, if he does like just a one year bet on myself deal and balls out, shows everyone he's healthy. But right now, dude, he's he, he's got to be his looking best days at, might be behind him. He's not that far from 30. He's got to be looking at what Tobias Harris got thinking I can get something similar. I just don't think that's going to happen, though. And yeah, maybe three years ago, yeah, especially before the cap got messed up. He's been linked to Miami. That's why I brought that up. Right, and I've heard that as well for a long time. Yeah, and one last thing while we're on it. Mm-hmm. 
the the OKC Houston pick swap is in major danger. Yeah, that top four protection, which I did not initially realize was on it, because I didn't think Houston had any chance of being a bottom four team. Well, they're they're going to be a bottom four team, but luckily, third worst with the lottery odds. Right yes, but luckily with the lottery odds, you could still have the worst record and end up with the fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth pick. Yeah, we need Christian Wood to get healthy. To come back, <laughs> yes. We need Oladipo to start playing consistently because he's in and out of the lineup a lot and playing better as well. For a guy in a contract year, he just doesn't look like it. So, all right, we're in agreement there. The one team that could easily acquire him this next offseason is the New York Knicks, who, yes, according to my math, only have $54.9 million under contract going into next mm-hmm. season. And those guys include Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Ob Toppin, Manuel Quickly, Mitchell Robinson. The only guys on the roster you want to keep around, essentially. They've done a decent job preparing Knox, themselves for this offseason. Kevin Knox and Austin Rivers are in there too, but that, that's okay. Between those four or five I just mentioned, I I really like that. And the Knicks are balling out. They're above five hundred. Well, they're actually five hundred now after that Spurs beating. Right. Uh, for the first time in 20 years after 35 games. So massive achievement. Tibbs has them playing incredible basketball. Number two in defensive rating. He's my coach of the year right now. What do you think about this fit for Oladipo? And what are your thoughts on the Knicks as a whole? I think it makes the most sense for Oladipo. I think if the Knicks in another week or two are still in, you know, five, six, seven, eight seed range. And the East is so freaking jumbled up right now. The, the Knicks could lose two or three games and all of a sudden they're back at the 10 seed. So I, I don't want to like run too far with, hey, the Knicks are in the playoffs right now. But I do think that they make the most sense for Oladipo. And they could throw a package of like Alec Burks, Alfred Payton, maybe Frankie Smokes. But they wouldn't and- need to if he gets to free agency. No, this is just if they want to kind of take a risk, bring him in, use minimal assets, and maybe Houston just has no offers, and they can just lowball the hell out of them, get Oladipo for a bunch of second-round picks, Alec Burks and Alfred Payton, and that way you bring him in, add him to that team, see what you get, and maybe it works out and you re-sign him and it was totally worth it because there's a chance he doesn't pick New York in the offseason, especially with the history of the Knicks. But on the contrary, Brian Winhorst, and we briefly talked about this yesterday, Brian Winhorst on his pod, the Hoop Collective, said that he not necessarily has word or confirmation, but the way he phrased it, I believe, was, I feel very confident that at least one star will sign with them in free agency. And on the pod, they were going back and forth about it, and he all he pretty much gave away was that it's not Kawhi. It's another big name, though, who is willing to go to New York if things stay according to kind of how they are now. They're looking competent, this, looking like they could make a move. This coming offseason. It's their it's their year, finally. That's what you're saying. Yes, this coming offseason is finally their time to get a star. Okay, well, I think with what we've seen from Thibodeau, making them competent with Julius Randle, having an all-star year and some of these other young players really coming around Barrett and quickly, they they're competent enough for 
me to say, yeah, I do want to go play there. We can go be good, and you throw okay, the depot so... in there too, and they're going to be cool. They're going to be even better. One thing, one thing to take note of: the numbers are lying to you a little bit. I know I numbers know never lie. The Knicks are letting wide open three point shooters right now. Okay, so on average, a wide open three against the Knicks is going down around 25% of the time, which is by far the worst in the league. Open threes against the Lakers are going down about 45% of the time, just to give you some perspective on that. So this defensive rating is going to regress to the mean a little bit. They have been lucky. And granted, you can give a lot of credit to Tibbs and the defense and what they're doing. And even if teams are making more threes, the Knicks are still playing much better basketball than we've seen in a decade plus. But I'm just kind of afraid that as these numbers do naturally come back toward the mean, the Knicks are going to have a hard time winning games and they might finish, I don't know, like 30 and 42, which wouldn't be that bad given (laughs) the expectations coming into this season. But I'm a little bit worried about them just because it's still a smaller sample size. RJ Barrett, though, he has been great. That is my yeah. biggest encouragement from I'm the on Knicks. RJ Island. I think he's going to be an all-star and maybe even a superstar. I know after year one, a lot of people were kind of off him. They didn't love the shooting splits, only 40% from the field. But so far this season, his field goal attempts have gone up, which is a good sign. And the field goal percentage has gone from 40% to 44%. The three-point percentage has gone from 32 to 35 the free throws have gone from 61 to 73, and these are all really positive jumps just from yeah. one year to the next. And another thing to look at, his assists have gone up from two and a half to three, and his turnovers have also gone down, gone from two and a half or 2.2 to a little under two. So that's a good sign. The assist to turnover ratio is a really positive thing. And then his rebounding also gone up from five boards a game to six boards a game. I think the Knicks need to get him handling the ball a little bit more. I think he really could be their point guard-ish of the future. Yeah, I think him, Randall, and quickly handling the ball, that might be all you need. You don't need another point guard. You get some elite role guys. Corey Kispert around 10-11. Throw some shooters in there and let your bigger ball handlers facilitate. And I think that's kind of the wave of where the league is going. You got your Ben Simmons, your Luke. I mean, even Harden's bigger handling the ball. And a lot of other guys, Zion is starting to do it more. Teams are starting to realize these bigger guys that we can run the pick and roll with. It's an automatic mismatch if we have a guard set the screen and they switch. Right. And Barrett's athleticism has always shown to me. I mean, he's great at getting to the line, using his body to get to the rim so i'm defensively too i mean he can guard one through four yeah he's he's six six but that's a tall six six and he's pushing 220 like he can hold his own i think people forget the pedigree with him coming into college he was supposed to be better than zion he was pretty damn awesome at duke and just right. because he goes to the knicks who were gonna suck last year anyway people mm-hmm. just kind of have given up on him a little bit so I think it's the Knicks stuff, like you were saying, and the shooting splits. I think his three-point percentage in college was like 25%, something pretty abysmal. And his rookie year, his, his splits were pretty rough, power too. Power forwards, which, cramping the floor. 
Yeah, it, it's nothing that people should have read that deep into. You just watch the guy play, and you see a six-six lefty with extreme athleticism able to put up a triple-double some nights damn near, and that's all you need to see. I mean, this guy is the real freaking deal. I'm excited for him, and I'm excited for the Knicks because I really do think he's the future of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Looking at the free agent class, Chris Paul opting in next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for Ka- sure. Kawhi. No chance he opts out. He uh, wants to live in California. Don't go too fast on that one. <laughs> don't get ahead of yourself. Let's see how this year shakes out. Because okay. if it plays out like last year, I don't care how bad he wants to live in LA. He might not be playing for the Clippers. He is not about to move from LA to New York. I can promise oh, you Oh, I, I don't think he's going to the Knicks. I, I wasn't insinuating that. Okay. I just think there's a chance another team could swoop in and get him. Maybe Miami. Maybe He, he does seem coast. born to play in Miami. <laughs> that just seems like a match made in heaven. Him, him and Jimmy Butler, my goodness. Dude. That, that'd be fun. That's elite right there. That'd um, be fun. Then you got Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan. Mike, Mike Conley's going back to Utah. With the success they've had this year, they're not letting him go. Yeah, I could see it. Well, this class was supposed to be massive and one of the most not. hyped ones ever. No, so much has happened with either injuries or guys signing deals already that it's going to be kind of lackluster. Agreed. But one thing to point out, as they do get competent here, the Brooklyn-New York Knicks rivalry is going to be yeah. electric. I'm rooting for the Knicks to get as good as possible, as fast as possible just for that next year with fans it's going to be fantastic and i do hope they make the play in my dream is to see lamello ball in madison square garden taking on the knicks for a playoff spot i'm all on board for that it would be a ton of fun to watch lamello and rj barrett go at each other uh one more thing on the knicks and the nets here do you think as fans start to get allowed back into games the Nets are going to kind of turn into what the Knicks have been, getting all the A-list actors and the oh. rappers and all these big-name celebrities. Do you think they're going to flock to Nets games now, that they're obviously the better team and in title oh, contention? And they have three all-world players. players in the league. Uh, it's certainly possible, yeah. I do think so. I think so. It's, it's a fun kind of non-basketball thing to watch. Yeah, would not have thought about that, but I'd much rather go see those three than go to... Hell yeah! Yeah, like, without a doubt. Absolutely. Okay. I got Anything one thing to else? throw at you. Yeah, yeah, what's up? All right. Awards as of the All-Star break. I tweeted mine out. Rapid Dude, fire. put me on the spot? I'm putting you on the spot. MVP. Jokic. As I got, long as Denver I got wins Harden. some more games. I got Harden. You got Harden. Hey, I got Harden at uh, a great case. Odds. I got him 12 bucks to win 240. Okay. Rookie of the year, Mello. Most improved. Most improved, my guy Malik Monk. He's gone from being out of the rotation to putting up around 15 a game. And you saw what he did in that comeback against the Kings, the and one for the win. Yeah. You got to throw Malik Monk in the conversation. All right, he's going to be thrown out there just like Devontae Graham was thrown out there. If you this catch is different. my drift, this is different. I think. I don't know. My my pick's Julius Randle. I think he's going to win it. Yeah, he's already got an All Star appearance. Let's. He, he's got enough love. I, I think that's <laughs> enough for Julius Randle. 
Um, six man Clarkson. Yeah, that's a lock. Defensive player of the year. I got Ben Simmons. Shit, Ben Simmons is fine with me. Everyone's already got Gobert penciled in, and I just want it to be not, not a center. Not yeah. Gobert, yeah. Not Gobert, not Giannis. Um, not yeah, really just those two. Anyone else? Not Anthony Davis, but he's not gonna be in the conversation with injuries. All right, coach of the year, not named Tibbs. This is so easy for you. This is an alley oop. Uh, you gotta give it to Monty. Yeah, there we go. All right. I was gonna say that, that's obvious. That's all I had. Let's kind of do something a little different now. Episode 100. So we are through the thick of the sports. If you were just listening for that, that's all we got for this week. But we're going to talk a little bit more general kind of stuff about the show, stuff about life for a few minutes here at the end, just in kind of the spirit of episode 100. So I know you told me you had a couple questions for me. I brought a couple for you. Hit me first. What do you got? Okay. First... We got 10,000 listens through 100 episodes. Yeah. and Over 10,000. We're going to be like at 1,100 probably by now. Or, yeah, yeah 11,000. Excuse me. I don't know. I don't think we really had a number penciled in for what we wanted each episode as much as we just wanted to start something. And thank, right. thank you for actually giving me the like final push because you and I had talked about doing this for right. You can thank months. Russell Westbrook and the thunder. I mean, that was yeah. finally like I was in San Diego and just constantly around like the LA people and the Kawhi talk and everything going on. Kawhi was up in San Diego, right by my apartment one day. Like it, it was just so exciting that summer of free agency moves and trades and first the PG trade and then the Westbrook deal. Mm. It, it was like, we've talked about this for long enough now. Let's just freaking jump into it and do it. Yeah, and we started the blog, fanfuelsports.com, which... Our junior year of college. Yeah, junior year, winter break, I want to say. It might have been like January. We go... Yeah, around there. I, I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing when I first called you, and I was like, hey, we're blowing up this group chat about sports constantly, like talking damn near seven days a week yeah. about whether we like the... I don't know the rockets or the thunder tonight or which team we think could make a run in March, all kinds of stuff like that just constantly. And I remember I was kind of going through a lot at the time and just trying to figure out like in college, what I wanted to do with, you know, my degrees, what I wanted to do after. And like, just something to kind of like something fun to give me more meaning in life and build on <laughs> and work toward where I want to go. I was like, Hey, why don't we just make a website and start writing about sports? Seems pretty easy. And I don't really think we knew what we were doing in the beginning, but it was fun to just start pumping out articles. And I don't think we have enough time to write now as much as we did back in college. And I would love well, to do it more, yeah. but I mean, obviously with the show as well, that kind of takes away from some writing time, but dude, it's been fun just to put out content here and there when we can with the busy lives we live as well. So I mean, I, I've had a blast doing it. Yeah. Um, same thing for me, honestly, like, I grew up thinking I was going to work for ESPN. Yeah, that was the dream. You yeah, know? it was easily the dream. And I'm sure a lot of people say the same thing. But I had this deep conviction. I wanted to go to school for journalism at Northwestern, where my grandpa went. Be the next Will Bond, okay. uh, Rachel Nichols, Mike Greenberg, J.A. Right. Adonde. All of them went there. 
but it just was not feasible <laughs> financially. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'm going to have to do something different. And I just, like I said, I didn't think. And just naturally, you work. became an accountant. Naturally, yeah, not naturally whatsoever. <laughs> but this, the website and the podcast was an outlet for you and I to act on that passion, if you will. Yeah, and kind of have a voice and do more than just spam your group text with your buddies right. about what trade you think's about to happen or this and that or the other. To do something cool, to have ownership over something. And I think of it as like a walking, living, breathing resume um, in the mm -hmm. sports compartment of my life, if that makes sense. I completely agree. So, like, I completely agree. What I was going to ask you is, like, I know we both would love to work in sports, like, full time someday, right. sometime down the line. Mm -hmm. What do you think that would look like for you? Do you think that, you know, five, 10 years, there's a shot? Because, I, I mean, like, 23 Man. years old, who wants to listen to two 23 year olds? without like five, 10 years of experience talking right. about sports. Right. right. So that's why we started. Um, yeah, you got to kind of just, I mean, the 10,000 hours, you know, spend time yeah. doing something you enjoy, put the work in, you'll naturally be better about it. And like you're saying, it is kind of a, a big ongoing resume in the sports world. And really, I don't know. I thought by 25, I was going to be working in a front office somewhere and have it all <laughs> figured out. And be in the draft room on draft night, helping come up with moves we could make and shit. And as you get toward the end in college and you're applying for internships and jobs and you kind of get a little bit of a smack in the face as to how tough it is and how competitive of a field you it could, is. You could say, sorry to cut you off. You could say this is our unpaid internship. <laughs> yeah. Truly yeah, also, it is. It really is. I took an unpaid internship when I was in San Diego. It was one of the best things I did, but yeah. that's just kind of the nature of the industry. Like no one's going to pay you at 21, 22, 23 to do anything in sports really. I mean, unless you're just the shit or have some connection, it's just not going to happen. And now that we're in a freaking pandemic, I mean, teams have had to furlough people. They have had to cut budgets. And right now, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I've got a little side venture business that I'm working on launching that hopefully will be going within the next 30 to 60 days that we put a lot of work and time into. And so I'm just going to kind of keep looking for opportunities in sports, but do what I enjoy and keep doing this on the side and keep building the resume and eventually what we've done and the other jobs and projects that I've had and worked on in my life, at some point that's going to get my foot in the door somewhere or eventually this is going to take off and you know maybe it takes us putting some money into advertising or whatever it may be. Peter and I don't put a ton of money into this other than upkeeping the site, you know, maybe doing a jersey yeah. giveaway for listeners now and then. But it's not like you know we're dropping $10,000 on this show a year. Maybe we do at some point in the future and that gets us to take <laughs> off and this turns into our job. I don't really Domain know, man. Domain name, microphone, um, and like- WordPress subscription. Yeah, that's really the only cost of it. So like, like you were saying, if you have these like goals or aspirations, I would 100% recommend anyone to start 
a website or podcast like oh yeah why the hell not i mean just to put it in perspective you know you sent something in our group text yesterday i think about the old man and the three they're looking for an intern for uh whether it's the pods or just kind of site stuff whatever it is they're looking for someone paid internship 15 hours a week roughly and I think I have a much better chance of being considered for that now because I've done this show for a hundred episodes and (laughs) I haven't applied yet. I want to tweak my resume and write a good cover letter this weekend and apply. I don't want to half-ass it, but I think just doing this show and having a resume of, Hey, I've worked on and created at least 100 of these episodes, edited a lot of them. I've written articles. I've worked other jobs on top of it. It's nice to kind of show what you've done in your body of work and not just be like, yeah, worked eight to five at this place for the last three years, you know, like that's not it. You know, like there's so much more that we're doing with this and it's outside of work. We're not paid for this. So I think that gives you a much better shot at getting your foot in the door in the sports industry. Yeah. And I want to be clear. I don't want to make us sound like we're like patting ourselves on the back because I think we have a long, long way to go. And oh, absolutely. We're 23. We're still figuring it out. Right, right. Hell, we've done 100 episodes. We can pat ourselves on the back a little bit. That's yeah, a big achievement. Absolutely pat ourselves on the back for that. But I agree with you. It is a differentiator. Even if we do only have a little over 100 average downloads or plays per episode, it, right. it will pay off. And we have thought that from the beginning. So like I said at the top, if you have listened to episode one all the way to now or 20 episodes, thank you. Yes, Hopefully everything we said just uh, helps resonates with you and helps explain why we do this. Uh, It's been super fun. And let me see if I have any other questions for you. Yeah, oh. I got a couple I can throw at you. Yeah, I was going to say, how would you grade us out at 100? Like, I, I love the guests that we have on because they, like, we're close with a lot of them. They right. bring good insights. Just, like, what what were you expecting at 100? Were you expecting that we'd have, like, someone big and famous on? Um, To be honest, I didn't really have an expectation. I mean, in the beginning, I think when we got started, I had a little bit of unrealistic expectations and just kind of quickly realized, hey, if we're not pouring very large amounts of money into this to make our podcast in a very saturated sports market stick out in some way, we might not ever pick up a ton of traction. And so I think at 100, I really, I don't even know if I would have envisioned in the beginning us being as far as we are, completely honest. I mean, I didn't know what it would look like. I didn't think that I would be sitting here with all the equipment and nice stuff that I have to do this. And I mean, we started on our iPhone with headphones. And yeah, yeah, naturally, I thought at some point that's going to turn into more. But like, I've kind of built a pretty cool studio in my room, sort of, with all my sports memorabilia and stuff. And I mean, if you just would have showed me doing this right now, when I started, like, hey, this is what it's going to look like at 100, I'd have taken <laughs> legit it. I'd be like, that's cool. On, I'm, legit yeah, like, I'm really doing it. I'm not just standing up, walking around my room with earbuds in in San Diego, shooting the shit with you on the phone for an hour. Like, yeah. we're, we're really doing the damn thing. Very well said. Um, yeah, I don't know. My mom has, like, asked me, when are you going to have, like, so-and-so on? I'm like, 
yo, mom, I'm 23. <laughs> I have a full time job. This is a hobby that I would like to get paid. Like, yeah. What she think we're getting Dare Jeter this weekend or yeah, something? I'm like, what if I email even some beat writer that writes for the athletic, like, I don't know how good my odds are going to be of getting them. They're like, Oh no, dude. I mean, I've ran a podcast, you know, I've taken some shots at people that I thought might be realistic, but it's one of those things nowadays where everyone has a podcast and it's almost kind of a meme. Like, Hey, want to come on my podcast? Oh yeah. And, And so I think unless you're able to provide thousands on thousands of listeners in a market that could be similar or relatable to what they do where like, Hey, you can come on our pod, shoot the shit for 20, 30 minutes, promote what you got going on. And you know, these 50,000 listeners we've got all of a sudden you might pick up 20,000 new listeners or 15,000 people might go buy your book that listened or or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like we can't offer that right now. So I think until you can, it's just kind of unrealistic to expect that unless you've just got some in like, guy I work with who super cool trying to get him to come on the pod soon. He played basketball overseas, was in the G league on the team with Harden and Westbrook briefly. So like that's like as big as I think realistically we're going to get right now, but that's still awesome just to have someone else with expertise <laughs> on. That's not you and I. <laughs> Why? Because then you called him as big as we would get. I mean, right now, like, I don't have a connection to any NBA player, yeah, NFL yeah. player that's going to come on. Like, it's just realistic, you know? It's just networking and who you know right now, not right. the name of the show pulling in some big time athlete that's going to come on or something. Mm-hmm. Well, someday we want to, we both have talked about wanting to go to like Sloan, the sports analytics conference that Daryl yes. Morey started at MIT going to the summer league once you know we had jobs hey, I, I got to go this last year money in our pocket quite how i wanted to but i got to take a little trip up to vegas and watch some games yeah what well, was wait wait did they do the summer league no they did the summer league but the way that it happened was by like third day of games most of the big name guys had opted out oh yeah because yeah. maybe zion got dinged up in like his second or he third had game the and then play it- where he like ripped the ball from kevin knox yes yeah. that, that was like the one big moment we got and unfortunately i didn't get to go that weekend i was going the weekend after when i was off work but it was still cool to see you know rj barrett a lot of those guys played that Kobe was White. was that this summer that was two summers ago or yeah, two summers ago, everything got messed up. I was gonna say we had a oh, pandemic. pandemic. I was like, I don't think year, year before. Yeah, ball. sorry, sorry. Huh. Well, yeah, like stuff like that. We hope to do eventually. Hope to travel a little bit more. So, yeah, yeah like I said, if you're listening now, thank you. Hopefully, a hundred more episodes down the line, we'll have some even better stuff for you guys. So, honestly, thank you means a lot that anyone tunes into us so i mean that's all i really got yeah i agree and honestly the questions you asked me were essentially same ones i had for you so i I think we kind of hit it all there and you got any thoughts any big takeaways from hitting 100 like anything that you've noticed that really shocked you or big takeaways anything anything hit me with it i think we've gotten better oh i would hope so I would hope so. <laughs> um, sound quality much better. 
Yes. We've both produced about 50 episodes each, so both got some skills there. Mm-hmm. By produce, I just mean edit after the fact. Uh, I mean, that's producing. Yeah, I mean... Um, oh, one thing I want to bring back more segments and I take, I agree with I take blame that. for that. It's just hard to, I mean, I spend two hours, probably two to three every show, whether it's talking on the phone to you, um, right. thinking, Hell, sometimes we're on the phone for an hour and a half before we even start prepping, just yeah. trying to figure out what we're going to do. The so, day yeah, ha- having days before, not, yeah, not the same right, day as not like right before days. the show. But, yeah. Um, yeah, segments just take a little bit extra. And also, editing wise, just everything you have to throw in there when it comes to sound effects and splitting up different audio bites and stuff like that. It's just a little bit more work, which I think we've kind of drifted away from all of the segments as we've both been working as much as we have because right. it's it's hard man working 40 plus hours a week and coming up with all of these segments and making it fit to whatever guest you've got it, it's a lot of work it's more than you would expect Am-boozing. it's not just like a whip yeah yeah it's not just like whip the mic out and you're <laughs> ready to go each week yeah no 100 percent. um okay one goal one more goal and we'll get out of here and all right an intern by 200 an intern by 200 i'm with that i'd take an intern by this summer yeah hey anyone help us out be great for real we will write you an awesome letter of recommendation (laughs) and if we do start to see funds matriculating in we will cut you a portion i feel like that's only fair if we got funds coming in we got a little paid advertising in there hey you're producing it you'll see a chunk of the profit there we go Maybe shouldn't have put that on the record. That's how I feel about it. I can't promise that, <laughs> but we'll it all see. Out. All right. That's uh, all I got, Peter. It's been a blast, man. I'm proud of us for getting to 100. I think mm-hmm. we've done a kick-ass job keeping on schedule, trying to get at least one a week, and I'm looking forward to the next 100. Yes, sir. Thanks to everyone for listening. We truly appreciate you, and we will be back next week. Peace.